the windows had been covered in black plastic for so long. And then there was this tiny little pinprick of light. It had been so long, Todd. It had been like every fucking day for like months and months and months and months of pain and pain and pain and months of just here's the way out, here's the way out, here's the way out. Every day, just trying to fight that every fucking day. Audrey was able to get through. I don't know how. I don't know how she was able to get through. But it allowed me to see that little pinprick and go, the lights hadn't been on in my head. They'd been dark for so long. And to know that somewhere, somewhere in that massive fucking castle of doom, there was a candle on in one of those rooms, that Mm. there is a possibility that there is still light there. That gave me the hope that it could be okay. And I was able to focus on that. And that's where it turned that's where I started to get better. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 249 of the show, part two of the special book launch episode where a truly wonderful human, filmmaker, adventurer, self-experimenter, and excellent dad, Todd Sampson, interviews me. You can find Todd on Twitter at Todd Sampson, T-O-D-D-S-A-M-P-S-O-N-O-Z, uh, just to let him know you heard him here on the show. Uh, if you haven't heard part one, it's the episode directly before, b- preceding this one in your playlist. Um, you're probably going to want to listen to that one first. So this part makes sense. But yeah, uh, this is episode two, mainly because we went for two hours and 40 minutes. And um, yeah, me and Andy, my producer, decided to slip it in too. If you're new to this show, welcome. Thanks for being here. If you don't know who I am, hi. Hi, Mosha. Nice to meet you. I'm sitting on my bed in um, my bedroom because we've got guests over at the moment and I'm recording this um, so I can make sure Andy gets it to cut it up before the show comes out. Uh, what am I do? I, I'm a TV host. I work in Australia and I'm currently working on a show called the show that's about to be that's on telly at the moment. It's called The Bachelor. Uh, it's going absolutely damn busters in the ratings. Thanks very much to everybody that helped us get really great numbers the other night. Thanks to everybody that watched that. Um, later in the year, we'll be working on The Bachelorette. After that, we'll be working on Bachelor in Paradise. I also make this podcast. I've been making this podcast every single Monday for about five years now. There's 248 other episodes to explore if you're interested. Um, there's a couple of really good ones. I'd like to think so. <laughs> Most recently, I've written a book. It's a memoir. It's a memoir about the life that I've lived so far and how I got here, parts how I stay here, with a bit of a different brain. One that's, well, that's got a hidden talent for ruminating anxiety, an anxiety that kicked up into OCD, kicked up into psychosis at one point, and sprouted some very frightening paranoid delusions there for a while. Uh, and it's all, I write all about it in the book, and I write a lot about how I got better in the book as well. Um, well, not 100% better, but better enough to, to exist. You can buy that book anywhere that you buy books. I was at the airport the other night. I was so excited to see my face there. You can get it on audiobook. You could be listening to the audiobook in three minutes from now if you want. Uh, the ebook links are as well uh, online, osherginsberg.com. 
or uh, you can find it in my Instagram bio. Thanks to everybody that sent a photo of them enjoying their book. It was so nice to see people having snuggly Sundays, drinking coffee, reading books, taking time while their kids have a nap to read a book, all that kind of thing. It was super duper. And uh, to celebrate the book coming out, we are putting on a book launch show. I mean, you only really get one chance in life to get up on stage and sing songs about the really squishy bits. So um, that's what's going to happen. There's a lot of storytelling. I think it's about five or six songs, but it's mostly storytelling. And um, it's directed by the extraordinary Zoe Norton Lodge, whom you would have seen on The Checkout most recently. She's great. And uh, it's a one-night-only show at the moment, August 30th in Sydney. Uh, special price if you buy a ticket and a book, osha.is slash live. I'd uh, love to see you. There's, about a, there's a handful of tickets left. I don't know, maybe 20 maybe something like that. If you can make it, get on it, because when it's sold out, it's sold out. So I would really love to see you there. Absolutely love to see you there. If you can make it, please come on and make it. Trying to work on other cities at the moment, but schedule-wise, this is the one we could manage right now. Um, the songs for the show, though, are really starting to come together. I'm starting to get the calluses back on my fingers so I can play guitar again, which is good, but I do have to go easy so as not to blow them out before Thursday. But thankfully, Mike Mills, also known as Toe Hider, Mike Mills will be joining me on stage. So while you will see two guitars playing, you might only hear one of them, and it won't be mine. Uh, I do hope you can make it. It's been a long time since I've played and sung on stage, and I'm, I'm real excited about it. If you uh, go, go buy a ticket, let me know you did. Uh, you can get a ticket and a book, osha.is slash live. So here we are. How are you? What's going on? Me, I'm all right. I'm a bit, I, when I get stressed, I get intense. And I, I don't realize I'm being intense, but I've just been told, honey, you're being intense. In more intense words than that, I was told by my wife in a text message <laughs> from across the room. But yeah, I deserved it. Um, yeah, I'm getting a bit intense sometimes. And um yeah, I, I don't recognize when it happens. I just suddenly st stuff feels weird and it's usually me. It's usually always me. Um, but, you know, I just got to try and be better tomorrow. That's all I can try and do. Week one of the book uh, is out. The book came out on Monday and um, it's going great so far. We debuted at number one on a mini charts. That was really, really exciting. People are resonating with what I'm trying to talk about. There's so many messages. I can't even tell you how many messages I'm getting from husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters of people who are struggling, people who are living with or have lived with um, either some sort of mental illness or some sort of addiction in their life. And the overwhelming message is I didn't realize that that's what it could be like. And um, so I'm grateful that the story is starting to resonate there. A lot of people did reach out and look, as always, a lot of questions. And as always, the path to feeling better starts with your GP. It starts with your doctor. Go there first. If it's someone near you, um, there are many resources, of course, at Sane Australia. I do work with Sane Australia. Um, I sit on the board there, but there's a lot of resources there to help people who are living life with someone who is uh, living with uh, one of these diagnoses. Um, and as always, if someone is struggling with addiction in your life, uh, I would recommend you go check out Al-Anon. Very, very highly recommend you go check out Al-Anon. They do some good stuff there. A lot of support, a lot of strategies there for people who are living with someone who's still drinking and using and doesn't want to stop. Uh, really good stuff there. Uh, as you know, I like to lift heavy things to keep my head in check. And I did go a bit hard on the kettlebells this week. Yeah. Um, ended up opening up the calluses on my left hand, which is my guitar hand, which isn't great. 
not uncommon. It does happen, but I do have to kind of adjust my workout a bit, adjust my training a bit in the last few days. Um, and you know me, if I don't train, I get edgy. Maybe that's why I've been intense today. In other news, in other news, I got to program Rage the other day, which was just the greatest. That is absolutely a lifelong dream come true. If you're not from Australia, Rage is a, a music television show. It runs on our national broadcast, the ABC, and uh, on a Saturday night, Usually around 11.30, they let a guest programmer come in. It's more often than not, it's a touring musician who's come through town and they let them pick, I know what it is now, they pick 64 songs and you get to introduce 14 of them. I was allowed to program song for song what I was allowed to, wanted to play. They let me program where I wanted to do the talking, back announcing videos, throwing to videos. They let me do the whole thing. I just had carte blanche and it was amazing. I got to go so nerdy. I nerded right out and... um. Look, I'm thrilled. You only get one chance in life to do that. And I took it with both hands and I'm just so, so, so grateful. Because I got to talk with, you know, passionate authenticity with, from the bottom of my heart about the music that I love and the music that has shaped me and, and is really, it's the soundtrack to the book. So if you missed it, I have put together, of the 64 songs I picked, I could find 60 of them on Spotify. So there is a link to that, the audio version of the playlist at osherginsberg.com if you want to go and check out some weird Mr. Bungle and some excellent Carly Rae Jepsen. Um. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, so let me tell you about my guest today. My guest today is once again me. Uh, a few weeks ago, Todd Sampson, who is an extraordinary man. He's a documentary maker. He's an adventurer. He's a fantastic father. He's a very, very clever, very curious human being, very creative man. He came onto my show. I interviewed him, and when he did, he insisted that one day he interview me, and we played part one last week. We had to slice it in two because it did go two hours and 40 minutes. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and check it out because it makes this conversation uh, have much more context. In the second half of this chat with Todd, he and I, we kind of hold each other and we walk into the darkness together, and I, I take him through... Uh, how how tough it got. Now, we do discuss the stuff that I cover in the book, including alcoholism, 
psychosis and suicidal ideation, active and passive suicidal ideation. Uh, and I've got to say, if you or someone you know is struggling with any of those things, please, please call Lifeline 13 11 14. Please do that. It is, of course, an incredible honor to have Todd do this. He's a very smart man. He's a very busy man. And like I said, he took nearly three hours out of his day to come into the kitchen and interview me. And um, as you'll hear, it, it ended up with us both in tears. And there's a point at the end of this where Audrey, uh, she was sitting on the couch right behind me. Audrey joins in. Audrey gets on the mic and we didn't plan that, but it just happened that the three of us then started talking. And um, I'm noticing that a lot of people are asking for Audrey to be a guest, to talk about what it is to live with me, someone who can you know, get pretty intense sometimes and how she goes about it. And, um, yeah, I'm absolutely going to get her on as quick as I can. Hopefully, hopefully I'm going to try and get her on next week. Basically, so we can talk about what she does to get through life living with a guy like me who's, incre- who's capable of, you know, incredible focus, but also incredible intensity from time to time. If you do like what you hear, please reach out to Todd on Twitter. Please let him know. Todd Sampson, T-O-D-D-S-A-M-P-S-O-N-O-Z is where you'll find him. If you like it a whole lot, come see the show, August 30, Giant Dwarf, Sydney. Get tickets right now, osherginsberg.com. Um, yeah, the link's in the show notes, which will be on your podcast app. It, it, it's, you know, it's this, but with songs. <laughs> That's basically what it is. If you really like what you hear, you can be listening to the audio book in a minute and a half. Uh, just go to osherginsberg.com. You'll find the link right there. Okay. So, you ready? Let's do this. Come back to my kitchen table in Bronte. Pour yourself a cup of coffee. Put on a black t-shirt. I think we're both wearing black t-shirts. I was wearing a jumper because I'm cold all the time now. Um, yeah. Come to my kitchen in Bronte for another cup of espresso and a long conversation and a few tears with the wonderful Todd Sampson. My manager called and said, hey, do you want to come down and do The Bachelor? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do. He said, it's a 10-week shoot. Can you do it? I said, yes, I can. So you asked about, you know, you asked me before and we talked about the ask. Exactly what I wanted was answered. So, so did they say why you were the one they were going to choose to host? So it's one thing to have an idea to do a dating show, yeah. right? That's, that's, it's an intellectual, it's a concept, it's a, it's a you know. And there's yeah. another thing to say, you are now going to host one of the most well-known franchises all around the world. Yeah. Did, did they tell you why? You. Um, the, a man that you work with and I have, has now given me a career twice, an yeah. extraordinary executive producer by the name of Stephen Tate. Awesome. He's an amazing man yeah. and, has, and mentored me and guided me through my whole television career. He said to me, like, you know, there's, there's quite a few people that could have done this, but there's a format part of the show called After the Rose, which is a, a kind of sit-down couch TV, you know, holding. And he goes, and Stephen says the nicest things about me. He said, you're the safest pair of hands on television. So if we're going to put, you know, 22 women who've all been, you know, spurned or, you know, didn't get on with this one particular bachelor Mm. on the same set and then have him and then do Q&As between them, you're the guy I want, you know, dealing with that. We only made a few of those. Uh, Unfortunately, we haven't had a chance to make too many of those after the Rose shows, but because I had the skill to hold that down, that's why I got the, the other job. It turns out we haven't done too many of the After the Rose shows, which is a pity because I love them. But, um, yeah, because of that. and But also in my career, I've, I've known that what I've learned is that it's not 
they, they say it's not who you are, it's who you know. It's That's not exactly right. It's not who you are. It's who knows what you know how to do, mm. all right? And when it came time to, you know, casting the host role of The Bachelor, the executive producer had seen me through Idol handle all kinds of situations, satellites going down, people bursting into tears, people rushing the stage, people rushing off stage, judges fighting, you name it, whatever, all on live television. So he'd, he'd seen me take care of all those and been a part of, mm. of wrangling all those situations. So when they want someone that can handle a highly emotionally charged situation like a, a show called The Bachelor, it's you. like – I know that guy can do it. Let's so get so him on. just on that, uh, you know, because you've heard my podcast I did with Will Will Anderson, who is a mutual friend of ours, uh, uh, called Willosophy. And one of my big um, beliefs in life is that we bump into nodes in our lives. And those nodes are incredibly influential people. And like, uh, like a pinball machine, when you hit those nodes, they move you in a different direction. And often you don't realize they were nodes until later in your life. I've had many fortunate nodes in my life, and you and I both have had one similar one, Stephen mm. Tate. Uh, if you're a fan of Body Hack or any, you know, any of the Body Hack work that I've done, that doesn't happen without Stephen Tate. Mm. Uh, Stephen Tate's faith in me and, and my ability to write and my ability to host. So that's just, it's a, again, no, I'm not here to yeah. plug but there we do have commonality yeah. that crosses over yeah okay on to bachelor now just give me is there any rub for you between your liberated views of the world which which you absolutely mm. have raising a daughter uh and this kind of extreme dating well let's let's really you know break it down for what it really is i've worked in reality television for 15 years now and every single one of those people is there willingly mm. They have. They all. We didn't go to their house, drag them out of their bed, throw them in a van, and then put them in front of the judges to sing their song. You know, possibly not great, and have the judges go, "You're terrible." They waited in line for hours. They had seen what the American and British version of the show looked like. They knew what happens. But right. you of all people, Osher, know this yeah. extremely well because of your journey. Yeah. I'm not certain from a cognitive perspective how willing people really are because people are not chasing, not necessarily chasing love as much as they're chasing the 15 minutes and this desire to be recognized. I, I disagree with you. I disagree with you there. Um, the the people that they're like, it's interesting because I myself, my Personal self would never have auditioned for a show like Idol mm. and I would never have gone on a show like The Bachelor. It's just not the kind of person that I am. I wouldn't have done that. And yet. just out of interest, would you recommend your daughter, Gigi, to do it? If that's what she wanted to do, I would make sure she was 100% very well informed about <laughs> the process from every single concept and aspect of what it takes and what will go on and what will happen. Mm. And if she still wanted to do it, then I would support her 100% because uh, I, I believe that she makes great choices and mm. she has proven so far that she makes really powerful choices and self-protective choices and I would, you know, support her along that way 100%, but I would definitely tell her, <laughs> like, here's everything that happens and here's how it works. But it's really nice. As cynical as I am, as sceptical as I am, um, watching true emotion and watching actual people actually fall in love and then actually get their hearts broken um, is actually really it's, – it's really lovely because at the end of it, we all, we all want to be loved. And, and, you know, like when you walk into a party, the first 
Or when someone walks into a party, there's like, or when a dinner party starts or something, the first five, 10 minutes is all very loud and you can't hear anything. Mm. But then after about half an hour, that's when the real conversation starts to happen. So it's the same thing. The first couple of days on our show, it's all lights and cameras and movement and group dates and da 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 da. But after a couple of days, all that stuff kind of fades away. And it's like, oh, this is normal now. Here mm. I am. I'm living in a house with, you know, 17 other ladies or 17 other men, as the, as the case may be. And this is what I'm doing. And yeah. the, the actual emotion starts to come out. And it, 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 really, it really happens. And it's, it's really nice. And, and watching the, the main reasons why, like the, the reasons why the person might have showed up in the first place kind of, you know, if they turned up to fall in love, then that starts happening. But if they turn up for something else, like that stops happening and they start to want to fall in love now. It's really nice. I mean, I, I see it. Uh, I see it for what it is. As I said to you, I see it as a, an exaggerated form of, 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 of a social experiment without saying it is a social experiment uh-huh. where you can learn from different people. And, and no matter what the pressures are, if it's fame or if it's whatever that is, mm. you see these interactions and how people react. And yeah. it's an interesting conversation to have with people. Yeah. I do think there's, it's not ironic, but I do think there's something unbelievably charming that the most sustained relationship and love story that has fallen out of Bachelor all episodes of Bachelor in Australia is you and your current wife. <laughs> That's lovely, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's really nice. We're not, we're not the only. We're not the only one. There's there's a few. Sam and Susanna are still going strong. So uh, no, no, no. I reckon this is probably the deepest one of them all. Right. Well, we're the the longest lasting. Yes, because we okay. were season two. Yeah, we were season two. I mean, that is. It's brilliant. So it's we, were the, right. we were the one relationship that, that landed out of Blake and Sam Frost season. Okay, yeah. take me through that decision-making process. Oh, wow. So I, um, the, the story goes that I, my makeup artist, who I worked with on my very first day at Channel V ever, she was on Work Experience, and I started Channel V that day, and we still work together today. Her name is Carla. She's amazing. She's very good. Anytime you see a meme about my hair, it's Carla. Mm. And boy, you had good hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, it's all, it's all Carla now. Um, Carla said, listen, I took this job, took this bachelor job because I wanted to work with you, but I, I had already said yes to like a seven-day thing that I was going to do for Disney or something, and I've got someone to come and look after you next week, and I'm sick of you sitting here in my chair telling me how bad it is that you're single, so you're welcome, Okay. I was like, all right then. And I, so I rode my bicycle to work. I was, we were at Hunters Hill at the time and I would ride my bike from um, Bondi over to Hunters Hill. It was, it's an extraordinary ride, about 18 Ks, 300 metres of elevation, but really fun. Put the panniers on the back and I, just something about riding through the city. that If you can ride your bike to work, I highly recommend it. It's freaking good. So anyway, I get there and, I, and Audrey met me in my, my natural state kind of nervous and sweaty on the back of a bicycle which is kind of how I, how I was at the time I was pretty sick at the time I was on I was I was not on heaps of antipsychotics I can't remember if I was on antipsychotics at the time I think I might have been I might have been on antipsychotics or just one at the time so I was still I was pretty sick I was experiencing um, very regular passive suicidal ideation I was very anxious very nervous really kind of having um, just snippets of uh, paranoid delusions and and there weren't uh, hallucinations but there were very strong visualizations and and it was it was very frightening i want right? to i want to pause on that because yeah. i want to focus on audrey for, yeah uh, but i, I want to pause happening. i want to pause for a moment right and yeah. i i, I want to ask about the thoughts of suicide yeah because in our when you interviewed me yeah. for this podcast um 
uh, when we were leaving and you were describing talking about your book, mm. which we'll get to at the very end, right? yeah, yeah. you were describing your book and you told me a story that I still cannot get out of my head. Right. That's in the book. I assume it's in the book because yeah, no absolutely. one is, I haven't read yeah. it yet, and, and yeah. I, but I assume it's in the book that while filming the bachelor or as a bachelor, bachelor yeah. and doing a stunning job of it, everyone, you know, you're doing the amazing job that you do because when people look at the bachelor, they just think you pop up and you just do a little hosting job and you pull away. There's so many complicated pieces to that puzzle mm. that are moving around cameras and locations and all kinds of interesting things that happen. It's a real skill. It's not just stand up and say, here's your rose. I yeah. mean, there's so much more going on, which makes it exciting to do. Yeah. But you said to me, I think you said you were driving across a bridge or you were somewhere mm. and you you were considering suicide. It was in your mind. You you were Oh, yeah. So I would so so my trigger the trigger for the the psychosis was uh and it's a, tr- it's a tricky one. Um I wish it was geese. You know, I wish it was something really easy, like like I don't know, like like geese or, I don't like or, geese or a car either, crash so or, yeah. or, or something that was kind of easy to avoid. Uh, my trigger was uh, climate change. My trigger was that my brain decided that the full hundred percent, as worse as it gets, possible cataclysmic predictions of climate change were one hundred percent happening and happening today. All right, so I would see visualizations of every time I saw the ocean or the Sydney Harbour, for example, I would see the water level 10 to 15 metres higher, all right? Uh, if it was a slightly warmer day than normal, I would go, there it is, that's evidence, it's happening, it's on, it's happening today, society's going to crumble, all crops aren't going to be able to grow and there's going to be no more water, you know, and it was terrifying, it was absolutely terrifying. Like, it's still, it's still scary, so I'm not going to lie, you know, um, I turn on the news and I see that half of California is on fire and they can't put it out until September, like, yeah, okay. You know, it's still tough yes. when evidence like but that. But there is one thing to have anxiety and, and be fearful of climate change, and I think we should all have yeah. a bit of that. There's another thing to be um, have suicidal thoughts. Yeah, right. And, and, and by the way, I just want to pause for one moment for one quick piece of advertising. Uh, if you are considering or have or have any suicidal thoughts, I highly recommend the incredible, professional, helpful people at Lifeline 13, 11, 14. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yes. If you or somebody needs help, you know, I'll put something at the start of the show too, but yeah, 13, 11, 14, if you need anything. But remember how I told you, remember how I told you earlier that the, the, the most horrifying thing about all this when I was a kid was that this anxiety was inside my body. There was nowhere to hide from it. Mm -hmm. Now there really was nowhere to hide. There really is nowhere on the planet that I could be safe. All right, and the only way to be safe and to end the pain was in ending everything. All right, and, and how did it feel in that moment? So, did is that a thought that came from someone else? Is that a thought that came from some part of your head that came to you, or was that a thought that you had been uh, a sense of like? How does it feel in your head? Well, it felt like when I was it, it's the the first time it happened. The first time that that happened, I was I was really really sick. Uh, I was in, I was really sick. I was in Israel. I was shooting a, a pilot for a TV show over there before I headed down to Amsterdam to go to business school, and I the the my brain had popped maybe I don't know like a week earlier, and I was just dealing with all these weird visualizations and paranoid delusions, and I was most definitely experiencing you know you know psychosis here and there and they, they would last anywhere from an hour to a few hours at a time of like dealing with this really intense my brain just altering reality it was 
very, very frightening. And I'm staying on the 13th floor of this hotel, right? And this pain is hitting me like every time I think of something. Remember, I, I, I was feeling abs- actual physical agony, right? As if, as if someone had, it was, was stabbing me with a barbecue skewer in every part of my body at once. And I felt the crush around my throat and my, it felt like my brain, someone was cr- cr- grasping my head and I would, I would flinch in pain. And I'm, I was trying to swap the flinches away with my hands and they would come like bang, bang bang like every five to eight seconds this was happening and it wouldn't stop no matter what i did it wouldn't stop i was trying to write stuff the cbt stuff out i'm trying to write rationalizations down it wouldn't it wouldn't stop it wouldn't stop it wouldn't stop and then it came to me like (laughs) the way i would describe it to you is i used to body surf a lot right and i at the time when i first moved to sydney and i didn't have i didn't have a, a proper wetsuit I only had a spring suit, which is like a pair of shorts and a short sleeve t-shirt. And it was way too cold to wear a spring, to wear a spring suit. And I'm out there body surfing and I would feel my, my hands getting colder and colder. And I, but I didn't want to stop because the waves were so good. And I, you know, I'd start to try and swim and then my arms wouldn't work because they were too cold. And I didn't want to stop because, you know, and I started to get an ice cream headache. I didn't want to stop because it was too cold and the waves were too good. And I'd be sitting there like waiting for the final wave to go home. And I'd start fantasizing about my warm shower back in my apartment up on Hall Street. I'm like, oh, when I get out of this water, I'm going to walk up the hill and my feet are going to be so cold I won't be able to feel the, feel the ground underneath my feet, which is always really weird because they're numb by now. But I'm going to walk up the hill. I'm going to open my front door. I'm going to turn on the hot shower. I'm going to, I'm going to sit under that warm water. It's going to flood down across my body and I'm going to just feel the goosebumps of the warmth touching me. And then I'm going to feel the hot waters permeate through the wetsuit and envelop me. And then I'm going to pull the wetsuit off and I'm going to, sh- oh, I'm going to cover myself in this warm water. And then because I've put the towel on the oil heater i'm going to pull the hot towel off the oil heater and dry myself and wrap myself in this warm towel it's going to be so beautiful that is how suicide appeared to me wow suicide appeared to me as the kindest most wonderful calm beautiful thing i could possibly do for myself all right it wasn't frightening it wasn't like when you've, oh, I'm going to have to make this phone call and, you know, break up with someone or I'm going to have to, it was the nicest, most beautiful, kind, oh, here it is, man. This is it. This is the perfect answer. And in the space of a breath, I'm like, oh man, if I'm thinking that, then I'm in a lot of trouble. And I started calling people. I picked up the phone and I started calling people because I knew that if my brain was starting to tell me that this was a good idea, then I knew I was, I knew I was sick. And just put context, you're on the set of The Bachelor. No, 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 no. no. At this point, I'm, I'm in Israel at this point. All this right? is the first. This is the first time it happened. Okay. All right? But so I'm, I, I started calling people to try and, yes. and, I, and I, sp- I must have spoke to people for like 15 hours that night. You know, Which just, is just great to, advice is to yeah. not is to reach out yeah, 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 uh, yeah. immediately for perspective yeah. for help yeah but then so but this kept happening right so anytime anyone would go gee it's July can't believe it's twenty two degrees what a great day um, boom I get smashed back into it right and I'm like the world is ending and nobody knows I'm the only one that knows uh, and I'm wanting to you know like warn people how and stuff many like times that. over the last number of years oh at that point in time it was. Um, but so my answer, like this, this would escalate and escalate and escalate until yep. my head would go, well, you know the way out of this, man. You know, a really easy way to make all this pain stop. That was happening 
I don't know, before the antipsychotics, that was happening maybe 10 or 15 times a day. 15 times a day? Easily. 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 Okay. I want you to fast forward. It's, it's very interesting what you're saying right now because I, my girls last night, I said, I'm going to speak to their huge fans. They love oh, you, cool. right? They watch the show. They, and they said, what are you going to speak about, uh, Daddy? <laughs> and I said out loud to my girls, I said, well, I'm going to speak about many things. I'm going to speak about is I want to know who he is yeah. because I, I have like a magpie. I've got pieces of him through media <laughs> and through – I just want to explore him. Yeah. And they said, oh. And I said, I also want to explore some um, suicidal thoughts that he's had in his life. Yeah. And my wife turned to me straight away and said, are you sure you should say that to the girls? Okay. And then I explained. They said, well, what is that? Oh, wow. Right? So you had that conversation. And I had the, the conversation time. with them. Wow. And then I said, I, part, of the, part of the reason for asking is wanting an answer because the answer is talking about something that never gets talked about. And yeah. if it doesn't get talked about, then the people that are got that heater, that heated blanket wrapped around them and thinking this is the end, think that is the end. It's not. It's not the end. No, it's not. Because many people have that. And oh, if they reach yeah. out to Lifeline <laughs> or if they reach out to their – Friends, yeah. and it can make a huge difference. Yeah. And that's the reason for asking. It's yeah. not to sensationalize or glorify no, or make it no. make, you know, or normalize. It's not to do that. No. It, it, it's to say that talking to others, reaching out, having mm. a bigger conversation about suicide mm. is a big part of the solution. Yeah. And it was in that moment as well that I was, because I, you know, as, as a, I'm a man, I went to, uh, I went to an all boys school. So there's, there's many men in my life that have gone down and, and, gone through with it mm. so there's definitely people quite close to me that have, have have died by suicide and i never understood but in that moment that i understood in that moment that i saw how alluring it was i was like i've got to talk about this i've got that was a decision of like this is what i'm going to have to start talking about mental health because i was lucky enough to have had so that what moment. year was that that was 2014 because i do feel right now i say this naively have now just gone through this journey with you for yeah. um for nearly two hours i feel that's the moment mm. where the real Osher stood up. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the moment where and so in my mind, there are thousands of people that have no idea about that with you because they don't listen to your podcast. Yeah. They see they see Idol, they mm. see Bachelor, they see radio, they see good looking, they you know, they that's what they see. Yeah. And fair enough. And our identity changes over time. Yeah. But my feeling is in 2014, that's when you stood up. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's when I, that's when I knew. Is like I, I was lucky enough to have been so close to it, and suddenly understood for the first time what it was. And because you know, there's people like I said, there's people in my life that it's happened to, and I I never understood. Mm. I never understood. Bring me to the bachelor moment because that's what freaked me out oh, after right. the last after the last <clears throat> uh, meeting. Because you you, you didn't say yeah. it casually because you looked no. me directly in the eyes. But I walked away yeah. and I was a little bit – and, and it, I think it would be a major thing in your book. And yeah. because the book is written now, yeah. the publishers have done it. It's in the it's box probably, <laughs> It's probably an area that needs more explanation yeah. than just someone glancing over it. And I can hear the headlines. Yeah. Osher Ginsburg considers killing himself while yeah. filming The Bachelor. I can, yeah. you know, because the media will, in, in search, in desperate search for story, will yeah. amplify. And they want to put two keywords in a headline. Yes, and, that's and there fine. won't be enough depth in the article. And so here, please, please explain, <laughs> because I left your house going, 
I don't know if he should put that in his book. Right. Well, I had, firstly, I had an enormous amount of support from Network 10, from Stephen Tate, from Warner Brothers, from Sean Murphy and Janine Cooper, the people there. And so, uh, like the whole time of my life, being on stage made it all better. Being on camera made it all better. Being in this space of uh, not necessarily control, but, you know, just having that in that focused moments. That's that's what made it fine, and I loved that. It gave me purpose to go and go to work and do like that. But at that time, like I said, we were we were working in a um, we were working in a, uh, our set was a mansion, massive stone sandstone thing uh, in Hunters Hill, and I'd ride my bicycle to work over three Sydney bridges. And if my triggers climate change and the idea that the sea levels have already risen and whatever, and I'm seeing these visions of the bridge that I'm riding on underwater, and I'm seeing all these massive mansions, you know, with the now the the, the new high water or low water mark at you know their their living rooms and you know just swell just coming in and out and just destroying these houses like we see in those hurricane videos that's fresh in my mind as i'm going to work all right and the whole time the whole time i'm doing this you know i I keep it at bay but it's right there it's right there, this idea of, wow, there's a really easy way to stop all this. There's a really easy way to make all this pain go away. It's right here. All you have to do is, oh, you know what to do. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. All day, you're just trying to just keep that away, keep that away, keep that away. Um, One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it was actually, it was, it was because like the last, the last bridge was the Gladesville Bridge in Sydney, which is this extraordinary archway looking thing. And it has this amazing view of the Sydney Arbor Bridge. And so it's about a kilometer from the Bachelor House. And so, so I first met my wife with all this stuff still like flooding through mm. my head. You know, I turn up and, and there's this extraordinarily beautiful, you know, Fijian woman with Disney princess eyes smiling at me. I was like, oh, my God, look at her. She's amazing. And it, with still like all the, all the chemicals flooding through my – the doom and dread and, you know, stuff still flooding my system, trying to battle with the, you know, pretty lady stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to arc, arc up in my <clears throat> body. Um, but, yeah, like it was when I was at work that things were okay. It was having something to focus on and doing something with purpose that allowed me to, to, to get through and having the great support of the people at work. And But eventually just one day it just I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't wake up every – there's got to be more to life than spending my whole day mm. – um, like trying to imagine – remember in the cartoon – I don't know if you've ever seen a cartoon. It's a common trope in a cartoon where a, uh, uh, someone will hold – 
uh, an attacker at bay by the forehead, all right? They'll hold them with a straight arm and the person's swinging their arms just out of reach, all right? They're holding their attacker like that. And it was like that all day long. I was like, I'm getting tired of this. Yeah. I'm getting tired of like, oh, there's got to be a way out of this. Um, and there is, and it's antipsychotic medication for me. Uh, that's what worked. Um, I ended up needing to take two as well as the SSRIs and well. So I was on four drugs at one point, but yeah, it made it all go away. Well, let's go to Audrey because uh, one of the, it's an incredible story, by the way, mm. uh, that brings us to her because I could imagine it's easy for everything to be about you. And I could imagine it's easy for everything to be about mental illness. Uh, and even for me, not wanting to make it a big focus of the podcast is very difficult because it, it is your story mm. and it is an important story to be told. But Audrey is light. Absolutely. And she is light and she is, uh, she is beauty and she is another chapter mm. and she has an incredibly talented young daughter. Mm. Take me through that it, and the choice, obviously when we talk about choices, mm. I'm only talking from one perspective, which yeah. is yours. And there's, yeah. all, there's two halves to all of yeah, this. Yeah, there is. Uh, but I, I'm interested in why her, how, why her? The biggest love story to come out of Bachelor, <laughs> in my opinion, hands down, is the two of you. Yeah, like, it's really nice. How, why? How, why? Well, we, we started seeing each other and it was really lovely. I'd never met anyone so kind. I'd never met anyone so kind and so... I just hadn't been, you know, just someone so loving and, and I'd never been exposed to that uh, really in my life or been open to it if I had. I think that's also a really important thing to say. I might have met someone so kind, but I hadn't been open to it. So at that point, I was able to at least start to learn to receive that kindness and I still work have that worthiness thing we spoke about. Um, I have I have a problem with worthiness and being able to receive Audrey's kindness has been something I've had to work on quite a lot. But there was just something about Audrey as I fell more and more in love with her early on. And I was so honest with her from the, from the get go. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm a bit sick at the moment. I'm on this antipsychotic. I'm on this drug. But did you work together? Like did she, so she was actually, yeah, she was a freelancer. So she'd come in to do a week and then gone away. And then no, she came in to do. with you directly? Yeah, yeah. Because she she's a stylist artist. and an artist. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, she was my makeup artist for the first week. So she was she yeah. was putting makeup yeah. on your face. Yeah. And what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking, wow, she's really beautiful and kind and lovely. And she's very lovely. And, and oh, wow, she's lovely. <laughs> uh, and so for the first week, though, but I was very. You're thinking, shit, where are the roses? No, I no, need no, a rose no, now. No, 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 I need no, to no. give her a rose right no, now. Buddy, it's like when I worked in radio, I could never give anyone a CD because I knew I never paid for it. Right. You know, so. Right. <laughs> so um, no, everyone has a right to go to work and, you know, not be swatting penises away. Everyone has a right to go to work and not get hit on, all right? Yes. So even though I was really into her, I was very aware that in the past my obsessional tendencies had destroyed uh, relationships or the ethics. I hadn't yet dated successfully in sobriety. Uh, I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. So Audrey is my very first ever successful you know, healthy, sober relationship. And I'm very happy to about that. But so for the first week we were together or I met her, she actually had no idea that I was into her really. And in fact, she thought I wasn't into women at all because I was trying to play it as low key as possible. And I managed to kind of fandangle away. It's like, oh, my friend Luke Heggie's got a, got a stand-up show. Uh, I can get you tickets Saturday night if you're interested. Uh, I'll put in, you can get a plus one. You just tell me the name. 
just text it to me. So, A, get a number, B, get the name. And if it's Doug or Barry or Bruce or whatever, I'm like, okay, she got a boyfriend. Because I didn't want to ask her that on set. You know, it's a professional situation. Of course, you, don't, you don't want to have that. You yes, don't want to have that. I know that. And it yeah. turns out that it was her friend. And it was a, a, and we were waiting outside the comedy club. She goes, well, I hope you like blondes because my, you know, my friend's a bit late, but I hope you like blondes. I'm not into your friend. She's like, oh, I wish you'd told me. I just come straight from work. I would have shouted. <laughs> she didn't realize it was a date. Uh, so I kind of, uh, so that's how that happened. But the, over the, over the following weeks that we were, you know, starting to see each other and getting to know each other better and better, I just, I just realized that this, I just want to just be around this kindness and nothing but love. And Audrey is, is Fijian and there's a, there's a kind of a love and openness and giving and caring that is inherent in their culture that I'd not really been able to accept before or been around ever. And that just permeated through every, every one of her actions. And, as we, you know, you know, things progressed and we became intimate and then over the couple of weeks and I, I was very, very honest with her very early on. Say, look, you know, I have a really different brain and I'm going through, I go through a lot of anxiety and I'm, I'm really quite terrified and, you know, I'm, I'm positive this horrible, horrible, horrible thing is happening right now even though, you know, and but at the time my brain wasn't able to accept any rational response still. You know, everyone could have told me, yeah, that's really scary. It might be what's happening right now. There seems to be a lot of evidence pointing to that it is. Is it going to end up what you think it is? No one knows. Um, do we need to make a change? Probably in a hurry. Um, but it is, you know, as far as your belief that this 100% terrifying cataclysmic outcome is going to happen today or tomorrow, that's not real. Mm. I couldn't accept it. Couldn't accept it. And then Audrey said to me a sentence which saved my life. Audrey said to me, if that does happen, don't worry, because I'll be with you. Now, in all of the visualizations that had happened in my head, all the times I'd seen it, I'd, in my head, as real as anything, Todd, I'd, the, we talked about visualizing, you know, before work, all right? I'd be sitting on a hilltop uh, of a small South Pacific nation somewhere, and the sea is rising fast, all right? Fast, like we see in tsunami videos. And there's villages of people just evacuating and streaming up the hill past me, past this water level that will never, ever go down. Their entire culture is being wiped out. You know, everything, the ancestry, all their dead, everyone is now underwater and everyone's, and I was always alone. Suddenly I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, in that moment, I realized that, that it could actually be okay. That this woman was, that, that if it did happen that it would be okay and no one had, it was like it was like covering covering the windows the windows had been covered in black plastic for so long and then there was this tiny little pinprick of light and I was able to see this pinprick of light and go it could, it could be alright with her it could actually be okay and I'd never I hadn't if it had been it had been so long, Todd. It had been like every fucking day for like months and months and months and months of pain and pain and pain and months of just here's the way out, here's the way out, here's the way out. Every day, just trying to fight that every fucking day. And this woman was able, Audrey was able to get through. I don't know how. I don't know how she was able to get through. But it allowed me to see that little pinprick and go... The lights hadn't been on in my head 
They'd been dark for so long. And just to know that somewhere, somewhere in that massive fucking castle of doom, there was a candle on in one of those rooms, that mm. there is a possibility that there is still light there. That gave me the hope that it could be okay. And I was able to focus on that. And that's where it turned. That's where I started to get better. You know, yeah. Now, this is new, by the way. I never used to cry. Yeah. All right. This is all brand new. Now we're new. both crying. This is, is all, this is all makes, brand new. I never, uh, I never used to cry. It's only been about, since I've been off meds, um, I, I have, I've, I've now cry again. Yeah. I, I never really cried when I was a kid. I remember I told you that I would just kind of go into this automatic yeah. robot mode. So having access to emotion is kind of new. Uh, so <laughs> one thing I would say, uh, and Audrey, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring Audrey in for a couple of minutes. Oh. Uh, see, so those that can't see what's going on here, uh, Audrey, come, come, just come and have a. So uh, Audrey's been she's been sitting in a different room and letting us do the podcast. But I'd always intended to have her come in because I want to have a quick conversation as we end. But I, I just want to say this to you, or I'll share about what you just said. Right, come sit down. Yeah, please come sit. Uh, when times, I know everyone's all, everyone's all of us. So when uh, the only thing I will say as a, a man to another man in uh, um, that often, you know, struggling relationships, I think there is one amazing thing to pause on and we can have a brief discussion about this. Yeah. Is when times get tough between you two, and again, I'm not a therapist and I don't, you know, that's not my area of expertise, but as a person who's been through some stuff in my life, when things do get tough between you two, I think you have one thing that you can really think about that in my mind is extraordinary. Now I'm going to cry. Imagine how much she loves you, that she accepts you for who you are and to be the father of her daughter. Because there is nothing on this planet that she loves more than her daughter. Yeah. Now your daughter, nothing. Yeah. And every instinct in her body will do everything to protect her. So just imagine how much she loves you. Yeah, I think about that every day, Todd. And George's, you know, I'm just, I'm George's stepfather. She has, yeah, there's two men in her life that, and, you know, I, it, it's, it's extraordinary to to be accepted into this. And when we when we did get married, um, I not only said vows to Audrey, I said vows to, to Georgia as well, because when you, when you get into a relationship with someone that's already got a child, it, it's it, it's selfish to think it's just going to be you and the adult. Yes. No, you're getting in. You are the two of both Audrey and Georgia had this extraordinary bond, uh, mm. have this extraordinary bond um, because it was only really the two of them for so long. Audrey, we speak about choices in this show a lot. Um, Audrey made the choice to kind of no i'm just going to focus on raising this kid That's let's go let's go to audrey and uh so welcome to the uh <laughs> welcome to the osher ginsburg podcast thank you i usually make cameo appearances uh, yes <laughs> so we've been talking about thank you and we've been talking about choices the whole yeah. um this whole podcast and how sometimes the choices uh that dramatically impact and change our lives are made in rooms that we're not in and yeah. some choices we do we do consciously are in control of and make yeah. those choices uh, I think one of the best choices that Osher has made uh, in his life is you. Uh, but I'm interested in why you made that choice. As in why I chose him? 
Um, and what it is about him. Because I'm on a quest to understand who is Osher. And nobody probably right now knows that better than you. So it's a two-part yeah. question. The first part is, why did you choose him? And then how would you describe Osher? Why did I choose him? Um, I guess I was, just as Osher was in a stage where he was able to see, accept, receive kindness, love, um, respect, those sorts of things more. I think I was also probably in the same, similar sort of state of being. And I just met this man that was like that honesty about his state of mind and, you know, his life and, um, was so unusual to meet in somebody that's, well, the A, that you're working with, I've known him for a minute and a half and we've got very um, deep very quickly and I felt very comfortable and safe around him to be myself, yes. um, which I'd never really done before, uh, be quite so authentic with someone because he was being so authentic with me I felt it would be weird. It, would, it wouldn't be right to not be as equally authentic with him. And in time that I just really liked him as a person, he's not my type of guy. I'm, he's not my type. I'm not a small woman. I don't like men that have smaller gene size than I do. <laughs> and I, I tend to go for um, the, you know, the alpha male, the bigger kind of guy. And he was this man that just really wants to know how I think and feel and my opinion on things. And um, it was odd, but I actually <laughs> found that I liked it. <laughs> and so that's why in the end I chose to, you know, take a risk and put time and effort into this relationship. So if I asked you mm. who is Osher, yeah, what would you say? I'm assuming it's not the Wikipedia no. description that I, I read out at the beginning of this podcast. No, that is, that's, well, that's not the Osher that I know. I never, I was never into Andrew G. I didn't have Foxtel, so I never watched Channel V, so I didn't know anything about him. And looking back on pictures of him or, um, you know, I watched Australian Idol like everybody else, I never vibed that man that guy. He was never my vibe. Um, because it didn't ring true. So I don't think that's the, the person you see on television. Yes, it's, it's him, but it's not um, his true self. He's a very, very intense, focused, intelligent, um, honest, loyal, Generous, kind, pedantic, <laughs> messy, yeah. um, clumsy yeah. person who doesn't even know how amazing he is and so loving but kind of scared of that. Yeah, kind of scared by... by love, by his own um, 
worth. I think he's he's barely even gotten a grasp of it yet. Um, so he's a complicated man with uh, there's with a med- small waist size. Yes, <laughs> I've had to lose weight so that I <laughs> could fit one size smaller jean than he fits, and. And that, and that's like I mean this transformation thing that he did like the dedication that I think you had one cheat meal in ten weeks, and it wasn't even really a cheat meal. It was just that you ate off your plan. Yeah. But every day, you worked hard. You were so focused. It was so annoying. It was like took over my kitchen. Um, you used raw turmeric on things. It was just like like but you kept going. Sorry about the real treatment, no, okay. but that was it's just true. disturbing. And <laughs> yeah, it's just impressive. His is. Um, Does he come with dry. doubt for you? Does he come with nervousness? As in within me? Hmm. No, no, because uh, if he says something, he means it. <laughs> Even if you kind of would like a little bit of doubt or a little bit of deviation from. This nice guy, like you just want him to lose his shit sometimes and make you feel like he's human and not not a machine. Um, because it can go down that path where you're like so robotic in your yeah. responses to the situation around you. Well, we, we talked about that. And oh, it's interesting you oh, use that word. Robotic? Because, yeah, yeah, because yeah. mm. we, talk, we talked about that. Oh, and I, that was this, I here? Uh, but that you know, but it's like that. Just that access to emotion is all is fairly new for me, mm. and and just trying to learning how to grasp how that can be okay to be with, you know, because it's such an unfamiliar feeling for me. Um, but it's only able to come out because there's safety between us, mm. you know, in our relationship. I Listen could... to your voice. <laughs> That's what your voice is like when you're being real. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'll listen to it back. And I'll remember. Yeah. I, I could spend two hours talking to you, uh, but he he brought me in to spend two hours talking to you about <laughs> him. But yeah. th- one last question I have for you, yeah. and then we can wrap. We can, because we've gone through a massive journey. Yeah, and you know great. what was incredible about Audrey's description of you is I didn't need to spend two hours wandering <laughs> through the recesses of your mind to find out who is Osher when I could have just asked her on the way yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. She's a very intuitive human being. Uh, just one question on the, your own sense of identity. Yeah. Uh, and and how it feels to be the good and bad, to be with someone who is a big character and he is well-known mm-hmm. and he has made a decision, which I am so thankful for, for the amount of people that will be helped through his honesty. Yeah. He has made a massive decision to be really open. Yeah. Open about everything. Open yeah. about his beginnings, you know, on our journey, his, his parents, his ex-wife, his own d- dealing with anxiety and social anxiety and addiction and alcoholism and then uh, suicidal tendencies and fame and professionalism. And I might be just hypothesizing and going down the wrong track, but I could imagine sometimes it would be hard to not get totally absorbed in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, well, in some ways it's not to be, not that difficult to stay 
separate and outside of it because I feel like while it is such a big part of who Osha's life, it's not really a big part of who he is. Um, it's I feel like it's almost a separate thing that gets in the way of him being his authentic self. Um, so every now and then I have to remind him that there is a world with other people in it and the sun is not actually shining out of his ass. It's 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 usually he's bouncing things off of me and not trying to take over me. He's not trying to cover me and, and block me and stop me from being who I am. If anything, he's helped me to become more more true to myself anyway. That's the that's the that's the big you know, you mentioned a bit before, and that's the biggest thing about the most wonderful thing about Audrey is that she was able to see and I was really honest with you from the start about yeah, what like was going on. The first on. day. Yeah, about what was going on <laughs> with me. But that she was able to see, as she just described, okay, so this is something this is who this guy is, and here's the thing. So here's who the guy is, and here's the thing that's happening to him. And then they're two separate things. And that was amazing because when we would both speak to each other, we're talking about this is third thing rather than it's all, it's all one. And that separation also allowed me to separate from it as well. Seeing that someone else could see it as separate mm. was really powerful, really, really powerful for me. I know that we have one more question to go, but I am dead set going to explode if I don't go to the bathroom. Well, so, we can talk without you. Okay. Go ahead. I'll hear it later. <laughs> You will. Here and edit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Cut. Yes. It can't be easy all the time. No, it's even, not. Because even I feel, I'm, I feel myself falling into Osher, listening yeah. to him yeah. and his world. And without being superficial about it, you sometimes just want to say, as you said, but only you can say it. It's not for me to say, but mm. you are not your... your you're not many things. You're not your mental illness. You're not the TV person. You're not the, the rose giver there is something underneath all of that. Yeah. I've, um, I think when I first met him, he was so consumed by the first things that you mentioned, mm. the mental illness, the his triggers, which, you know, he'd walk around and they'd be everywhere, mm. which you can't avoid right now in this, the world in the state that it's in, um, you know, tr trying to be all of these things and instead of focusing on finding out who he is for himself. Because I, I don't think he really has a grasp of it yet. Mm. Um, so... I think identity identity is shifting constantly yeah. for everyone, you know, not just mm. Osher, but because it's played out in a public life, it's tricky. Yeah. And he's very careful to um, put forward what he wants to put forward. Mm. You know, and, and not to impact too negatively on other people or, you know, d drag me or my child down. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's very self-aware mm. in what is being put out, the message, um, and how to give the message to people well. Yes. But not so, I think, is only still learning about him. His, I don't know how to how to his essence like yes yeah I don't think he's he's kind of always been 
very inward looking, but not at that. It's always yeah. a, a drive, a goal-oriented type. And I intuitively felt that yeah. in, me, in meeting him, you know, and, and because I, I had a weird relationship with Osher because I, I knew Andrew G. Yeah. And so I stumbled upon his, uh, this podcast because of Will Anderson. Yeah. So I didn't even know that he had a podcast going. Mm-hmm. And then when I listened to the podcast, this is what sparked me to do this. I really only liked the first half. Yeah. yeah. I liked his story. And then when he got to the people, I was like, okay, well, I've heard some of these people before. I was less, including myself. I was like, this is, I find it less interesting. Yeah. And I think if you don't know, if you're new to Osher, then I think that journey is an, it's an incredibly interesting one. That yeah. is not what you think. Yeah. And that's always been my kind of feel as well. Yeah. Let me just ask you one more thing on a book note. Yeah. I might sign out. I've got to go to work. Is that oh, all right? Yes, you're. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, by the way, in terms yes. of choices, which has been the theme of our podcast, yes. I think that he, Osher is incredibly fortunate that you made that choice. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. Are you off? Yes. I'll see you. Thanks, baby. See you. See you. We'll, see you. Um, Thanks for that. See you, see you next time for, you know, when I, I get to be the subject. Yes. <laughs> That's two more hours of work right there. <laughs> no. Bye, honey. Babe. See you. Love you. Have a great day. Sorry about that. All good. Let's uh, let's talk book. Oh yeah, sure. Just before we end, yeah, because uh, I guess it, this was part of the reason we got together. Mm. Uh, is is uh, you have a new book coming out? Yeah. Why write a book? Because you you if there's things that I haven't heard before in your podcast, I'll be amazed if it's in the book. But there's, yeah, there's so there? much there's so much in the book that I've never spoken about. Oh, wow. particularly around the, the suicide stuff. Yes, um, because. There's just there's just so there's a, there's a way to talk about that that it needs to be given the respect and space and reverence and and prerequisite and leading up to because not these things don't happen in a vacuum. I yes. get to talk about what happens. The decision to write a book, though, the choice, was, the, the, the choice, the choice to write a book was absolutely one hundred percent based upon my experience in um, my path to sobriety and how I finally managed to get to. Uh, a, a successful looking version of sobriety that I'd sit in a room with other people who are trying to find sobriety and I would hear one of the other people put their hand up and authentically share their story. And I'm sitting over here thinking, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm okay, I just, you know, if I don't drink today, it'll be all right. Da, 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 da. And, you know, none of these people are me. I was in North America, I'm like, none of these people are me. They haven't grown up the way I've grown up. They didn't have my parents, blah, 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 blah. And I heard this person put their hand up and their story, their relationship to drinking, their relationship to their family, their relationship to others, how they felt in the world, how they felt around success. It's like, have you just been copying me this whole time? Like hearing another person share essentially what is exactly what was happening to me. But then seeing the other person was, wow, this person's married, this person has kids, this person managed to put it back together, they're not broken, unemployed like me, they've actually got their shit together. Wow, they know something I don't. Huh, maybe there's help. Maybe I'll ask someone for help. Maybe I'll figure, maybe there's, this can be figured out because right now my best ideas have got me to this point, which is pretty awful. So I might need some other ideas to help me get better. And every single time, and, you know, that has become my approach is like, 
my very best thinking, my very best ideas have got me to this, you know, this point where things are really, really quite terrible. But I've seen other people who struggle with something similar and they're all right. I might have to ask someone and then f- just follow their instructions because my thoughts aren't going to get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And it was only through hearing another person share their story and another person authentically go, no, this is what's happening, that it made it okay for me to share my story and for me to ask for help and for me to actually start getting better. That's where the healing started. And accepting, to be honest, accepting that what was happening to me was bigger than my capacity to deal with it and I had to surrender to the fact and be an acceptance of that fact that this thing that's going on, whether it be uh, drinking or then later on I had to face it again was like, oh, nobody wants psychosis. Nobody wants that. Mm. I didn't want to accept that I had it. I, and I did the classic mental illness thing of like, if I don't take the meds, I don't have it. <laughs> so I won't take the meds. You still have it. <laughs> it's awful. And so I had to be – and I remember my doctor sitting me down and going, this is like, man, it's like your first step. you just got to accept that it's bigger than you and it's going to take something bigger than you to fix. And So putting it in a book? Uh, putting in a book was a way of like trying to create a conversation and I've seen it time and time and again like every week when I talk on my podcast the amount of people that go I've never heard anyone just kind of talk about it like that I've never heard anyone talk about it you know just like kind of matter of factly mm-hmm. like as if I was talking about my busted knee you know or the fact that my, my car broke down or that I bust, busted an alternator all right yeah here's me and here's this thing that's happening here's how I'm dealing with it um do I have all the answers? No. Am I 100% cured? No. Do I constantly check in with all of my doctors? Yes, absolutely. Do I constantly check in with Audrey every single day? Absolutely. Do I keep a journal of, of, of how my thinking is to try and identify if I'm slipping? Every day. Um, but I know that when I was in the depths of how bad it got, I, 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 I didn't know that it could get better. Mm. But in my experience, and and uh, bear in mind that I'm I'm lucky in that I don't, at this point, I'm not having to be on meds every day. There are people who are a lot sicker than I was that do have to be on meds every day and probably will be for life. And so some people's brains aren't able to, to do the thing that my brain did. And I totally understand that. And But there is still a way that it can be better for that person and for the people around them. And it was in share. It's the idea is to just, just to start having the conversation. So it's more normal to hear these kind of conversations and not out, not abnormal to hear a conversation like yes. this. So that then, when it comes time to when you hear a conversation like this, it's not totally freaking out. Like, oh, no, I've heard this kind of thing before. Oh, okay, then, all right. And it becomes a little more normal to share. And the idea that hopefully, if anyone does need help, that they just say one day, "I'm not doing well today." You know, my kid won a blue ribbon at the carnival. Boss thinks I'm doing a good job. Car's looking great. Car's washed up, but I still feel shit. Mm. And it hasn't been good for about a month. I might have to go off to the doctor. You know, and that's that's why because yes. I would hope to encourage people that it's okay to just talk about it and it's okay to ask for help um, because in talking about it, we recognize it for a thing and once you recognize it for a thing, then it's the thing that can be sorted out okay. and, and managed and, and you know, figuring out a way to live with it. Um, that's a long answer but I think that answers it. Let does me, that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. Let me conclude. So this has been both an intellectual and emotional journey for me. <laughs> the trip down the Who is Osher yeah. turned out to be as complicated <laughs> and as interesting as I thought it was going to be. So cool. my conclusion is that identity is shifting sands yeah. and you've shifted a lot uh, in your life. Uh, but if I could say who you are, 
I would say you have become an important voice. You've become a voice that has the potential of helping thousands and thousands of young people. You have a gift in that you're super articulate, you're uh, very intelligent, and you're brave. And combine those things, and that makes you, in my mind, an important person worth listening to. Wow. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing this, mate. You're the best ever. You're a very busy man, and that you came over to do this, I'm just so touched, mate. Thank you so much. Well, there you go. That is part two of the interview with Todd. I cannot thank him enough to do that. You know, if this was a corporate gig, there's no way I could afford him. My God, it is extraordinary that he took the time out of his day to come and do that. For me, for us, for all of us, I can't think of a better person to have have interviewed me for the launch of the book. That was the short version, basically, of the story. If you want the long version of the story, you can get the audio book right now. You can get it on Audible in a few clicks. You could be listening to the sound of my voice while Audrey direct me from the couch in our office. OsherGinsberg.com for all the links to that. Thank you so much for everyone that's supporting me through the week. Thank you so much to Audrey for being there for me this week. There's been a lot of stuff coming out and um, a lot of a lot of people disclosing, which is fine. It's super great, but it's great to have her support, and it was really, really good. Actually, we went out the other night, first time in ages. It was awesome. Really put my new hearing aids to the test. We went to a bar underground somewhere. It was good. Think good. I like when you're hearing ads. Anyway, um, massive thank you to Andy Ma, my audio producer, who pulled a mammoth effort to get these two episodes ready for the for the podcast. Thank you very much to Rachel Barrett, my producer, who's uh, done incredible things to help me get this show up as well, which will be great. I'll see you on Thursday night. See you on Thursday night. It's going to be good. Toehide is going to be there. Mike Mills will be there. So you can see the whole podcast. T- Andy won't be there. But you can see the whole podcast team. Uh, we'll all be there in the same room. And it'll be super duper 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 good. Um, all right. I love you so much for listening. If you're coming on Thursday, make sure you stop and say hi. If not, I'll see you next week. Until then, enjoy the book. And um, as always, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.